Long story short, it, it comes from George Clooney's character on the movie Old Brother Where Art Thou. His, Clooney's character was Ulysses Everett McGill. And uh, we were in the studio cutting our first rounds of, of stuff. At the time, we were uh, called, I think we were called the Butthole Truckers at the time. Somebody gave us that name. It was a mix between the drive-by truckers and the Butthole Surfers. The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you ate plenty of food, had a great time with family and friends. Maybe even had a few good drinks as well. We got a great episode for you this week. Our conversation is with the fellows from Everett, Brent and Anthony. Uh, they're back again uh, for the first time in a few years, and we have a great conversation with them, share a few drinks as well. And for our tasting notes, we welcome back Chef Allison Settle, who talks about drinks and sweets and how those can be a great pairing it's one you won't want to miss don't forget to check us out on social media at hop spirits all one word on instagram facebook tiktok twitter and even on youtube now as well you can get more at hopspirits.com because you don't want to miss things like our neat mixed reviews and so much more but let's not waste any more time and get into the show did you know hops and spirits is more than just this podcast check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release past episodes interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Joining us once again here on Tasting Notes, she's a James Beard Best Chef semifinalist. You can find her pop-up events around Greater Louisville. Please welcome back Allison Settle. (laughs) Allison, welcome back. (laughs) Hey, how are you doing? I'm good, and I promise you I have not been drinking yet. Or maybe I have. I've, it's, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. <laughs> you know what? Never kiss and tell. Exactly. I don't need to know. Don't ask, don't tell. I like it. <laughs> I <good>. like it. <laughs> well, we're here, we're here to talk some food and drink pairings because it's the holiday season. and But it's not what I would think most people would say would be your typical pairings because I want to talk about sweets, cookies, and what we should pair with those because... Um, I have a bad habit of going back to the, the sweet counter a few too many times in a night. So I need some help. It's risky. It's a risky business, the holiday season with all these sweets around. And I have a sweet too, so I can't help it. So so help me with those sweets and cookies. What what beers maybe go well with that? And then maybe what bourbons or, or you know, harder uh, liquors might go with, with those sweets? Sure. Um, for beer, I, I mean, typically in the wintertime, you're going to have a darker beer. Uh, you don't have to. I I am not a huge dark beer fan, so I, I shoot more for the, the special craft beers that I, you know, find to be more indulgent, um, you know, Canteon and stuff like that, the, the crazy ones, um, which go really well with your fruity um, your fruity situations, <laughs> uh, like Linzer, like Linzer cookies, like the little shortbread cookies with raspberry jam, um, stuff like that. But if you, um, are a dark beer drinker, which is definitely more common and that's very seasonal for the breweries around this time of year, um, brownies and fudge, man, caramel, um, apple pie with cheddar on top, like, uh, like a real, uh, like a real, intense like dolce de leche caramel um like a turtle cheesecake i know that that's like really old school but like a a really nice rich cheesecake with that caramel um and chocolate on top tiramisu would be amazing 
And instead of using the typical liqueurs that you would use um, to make tiramisu, you could totally use beer. Um, I think it would be a really nice, um, any, like, any beer that has like a coffee undertone is going to be a fantastic um, pairing with tiramisu. And you don't just have to do, you know, the typical chocolate um, dessert situation. You can, you can really pair that with whatever kind of beer that you're drinking. Um, light, lighter beers are going to go better with lighter desserts. If you're going to go really, really hard in the paint, um, then yeah, definitely go for those, those dark, decadent, rich desserts. I like it. I like it. Now, you know, for, for those that enjoy pairing bourbon and whiskey, is that one where you're kind of maybe finding ones that taste, you know, kind of have the tasting notes of something that you would be enjoying uh, on the sweet uh, table? I, I personally like to think of it the opposite way. Mm, okay. So I like to pick out what kind of, I'm, I'm usually pickier about what liquor I'm drinking than I am about what I'm eating. Just because I'm a chef doesn't mean I only eat, you know, fancy stuff. I don't really cook that often for myself at home. Um, so I choose the liquor first. Um, do some research. Do your own blind tastings with your friends. Um, figure out what tasting notes you all um, are independently finding. And then craft your desserts that way. Um, one thing that I uh, am really excited about and something that I would really like to try this year with my friends now that we're in the clear for some holiday hangs okay a gingerbread house but you're building it with your friends and you're drinking your bourbon now you could also do a few different bourbons if you wanted to be really fancy but think about gingerbread houses and all of the things that you decorate them with you have your icing you know a vanilla sweet situation you have your gingerbread with that um those spices and that um like astringent ginger taste, the gumdrops, the cinnamons, the cinnamon discs and all of that. Grab a few bourbons, maybe ones that you've been hanging on to for special occasions. Put <laughs> put all your friends around the table with a big, uh, you know, mess of all of the gingerbread decorations that you could possibly have and have this fun gingerbread house decorating tasting party with your friends. It would be a really, really fun holiday party situation that not anybody, I don't, I've never heard of this. I like to think it's a pretty unique idea, um, <laughs> but it, it could like be a it. really, really it's, it could be a really fun party idea, a way to get together that's not the typical like stand in the kitchen and drink and eat. Like it's a real intentional um, friendship time. You get to learn about each other, learn about your likes and dislikes, um, educate each other on bourbons that you've had, that you're having. Um, and, and it's also just good as a bourbon, um, you know, aficionado or somebody who would like to be an aficionado. It's a really good way to train your palate as well. The more interesting foods that you eat individually with bourbons is going to expand um, the, the depth of your knowledge and also just uh, your ability to, to pull different tasting notes out of bourbons. And it just makes you a better drinker. That might be my problem. That's why I might go, that tastes like fruit. And that's about as far as I can go sometimes. <laughs> oh, we are crazy. Um, when, Whenever I've done barrel selections, we do it totally blind. And we'll, we'll be like, uh, we'll choose our bourbon and then we'll go through with our tasting notes. And I'm always like Swedish fish and green coffee beans. And this smells like my grandfather's basement and an old book. 
but the library kind, not a bookstore kind, you know, that sort of thing. Like <laughs> we love to pull out all those kinds of weird things. And, and there's, there are no wrong answers. That's the best part about bourbon. I mean, you could probably be like, this tastes like a cheeseburger. And people would say, mm, not, maybe not so much, but like, it is all subjective. And, and that's, what's really fun. You get to learn about your friends. You get to build a gingerbread house and it's not, it's just a, it's just a fun experience and a way to bond. Well, and like you said, if some, it reminds someone of their grandmother's recipe of something, that's a fun story that they get to tell and more sharing as well. And if you want to cook some of those desserts uh, with maybe some some alcohol, what might be one or two uh, good ideas there as far as that goes uh, for the holiday season? Sure. Um, just right off the bat, um, with beer in particular, um, I really love the idea of, of a brownie. <laughs> um, tasting notes, you know, uh, for, for, for bourbon, um, maybe aren't the only thing, maybe you use Bailey's, maybe you use, um, I don't know, lots of people drink sherry. That would be a really fun thing to put in whipped cream. Um, but I was really excited about the idea of like an old school, something that's a real crowd pleaser. Like you go to a restaurant and they have those cast iron chocolate chip cookies, you know, they're crispy on the edges and then they're ooey gooey in the center that but a brownie with guinness in it um like a guinness skillet brownie and then um you could also do a, a sorbet um a lot of people think of of sorbets and sherbets and ice creams as needing to be you know very fruit forward or um you know typical of your sweets but i think you could totally use um stout in a sorbet and then it would be dairy free as well which is pretty cool um, that would go really well with a brownie and then you could put Bailey's in your whipped cream and just have this really decadent, um, booze on everything you could call it a boozy brownie, whatever you want to do. But I think, um, it's, it's really easy to incorporate, especially those darker, darker beers and the sweeter liqueurs into your desserts. I love it. I love it. I would like to say I'm going to try that, but my abilities are still not the greatest in the kitchen, but I'm hoping someone <laughs> gives that a go because it sounds absolutely wonderful. Oh, could you imagine somebody just like handing you a steaming cast iron skillet of brownie and like melting sherbet and, oh, that sounds amazing. I was going to say, I always leave hungry and I, and I love that. And Allison, thank you for sharing some time, some knowledge and some great ideas with us. Thanks for having me again. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, they're the dynamic duo. They go by a lot of names, or at least uh, they might have gone by a lot of different names in the, in the past. They got a new album out now in Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot, Side B. You might know them as Everett. Please welcome in Brent Rupert and Anthony Olympia. <laughs> What's up, man? I'm good. How are y'all? Fantastic. If I was any better, there'd be two of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, really. I, I heard I, I heard if you drink enough, there could be two of, of, of folks. There's yeah. Two. Yeah, I've seen two of Anthony many times. Three once, actually. <laughs> Sounds like that was a good night if you could remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I've had a lot of good know, times I don't remember. I was going to say, you know, since we're talking about good times, um, I'm drinking a little 15 stars uh, bourbon, a little 7 and 15 year 
uh, blend. They're they're based out of Bardstown, Kentucky. So you guys got anything good tonight? I do. I'm a. It's not something like a beautiful bourbon, but it is my favorite beer, Voodoo Ranger Imperial IPA. It it will if you have too many of them, they will knock you on your ass. But man, they taste so good. I like it. I like it, man. I gotta say, I'm not drinking this tonight, but. Uh, this is my secret weapon that's uh, affordable bourbon that really has a nice bite, a nice smooth finish. The little old granddad, 114. Oh, yeah. I like that's it. A, I like it. I put a hurting on this bottle. It's it's about dead. but um, Did it put a hurting on you? <laughs> no, this is, I like to sip this stuff, man. I haven't, I haven't overdone it on this stuff. Now, the Wild Turkey 101 back there, that's a different story. <laughs> See, Brent has a special talent that I do not have. He can pace himself. Well, I don't know. I, I, that's true to a certain extent. Once, once I, my wife calls it my threshold. Once that's broken, then uh, the, I will watch the sun come up. Yes, he See, will. I, I, I try to stay away from that threshold. <laughs> I usually pass out before that happens. That's, I was going to say, that's me. Now with beer, I'm good. I can I can pace myself. I know when I've had too much, I can stop. But bourbon, uh, you can ask my wife. Last night, she was annoyed at me. She said I didn't shut up for an hour. She's not sure I even <laughs> took a breath during the talk. So. <laughs> Dude, we we must uh, have the same blood because I'm the same way. Bourbon gives me so much energy. I always tell people when my bourbon starts tasting like sweet tea, then I'm in trouble. <laughs> Dude, so- uh, Jonathan, can I call you Jonathan or is it John? Yeah, or what do you yeah. go by? Jonathan. That's You've been called. I've been called everything. Called <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, tell me if you're like this. Cause I know, I know I am. And I think Brent can get there too. Like you, you cross that certain threshold and <clears throat> for some reason you want to talk about like super emotional stuff and how you're so proud of your friends or how you love your spouse so much, how great life is. And, and the tears just start rolling for some reason. Does that happen to you when you get to the <laughs> You know, well, I, I've had some interesting nights on bourbon. I, I will say that there was one night where I was just so into it, I fell over backwards in a chair down a hill. <laughs> wow! Oh man, yeah, that so. would have been a nice slow mo video there. <laughs> and the best part was, uh, someone tried to catch me, but they at least caught the chair, so it didn't hit me. You know, <laughs> I, I was very uh, with it after that. I was very with it after that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I blame that kind of like on your song, Dang the Whiskey, right? <laughs> oh, that's right, man. That's a true story. Dang that whiskey. Now, you know, we, we've we've talked in the past. I think we, you guys were on an episode a long, long, long time ago when the first side A came out. And yeah. we, we talked about all your fun names that, that you could have had, um, you know, before you became Everett. You know, Double Denim. I, I know it's, it's hard for some groups. I talked to uh, Sutherland. A while back and you know they were getting pitched ideas like palmetto peaches and all, all sorts of things and um and you know they, they their name got settled upon when they were driving somewhere and lo and behold they're kind of named after a ship so how are you guys named everett for those that have not heard the story well you tell it so well um it long story short it, it comes from george clooney's character on the movie old brother where art thou his Clooney's character was Ulysses Everett McGill, and uh, we were in the studio cutting our first rounds of, of stuff. At the time, we were uh, called, 
I think we were called the butthole truckers at the time. Somebody gave us that name. It was a mix between the drive-by truckers and the butthole surfers. And uh, we didn't have a band name, so we were in the studio, took a little break, threw on that movie that we watched way too much in college. And there it was, man, Mr. Clooney from Kentucky as well, like us. Uh, and now, now you're talking to the Everett fellers here. Which, hey, by the way, I think we made a huge mistake. Can you imagine the merchandise and the marketing? How how beautiful it would be for the butthole truckers. Well, like, I don't know if beautiful is the correct word for that. Well, hey, <laughs> I would call it interesting. In the, beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. You know what I mean? I was going to say, there could just be a lot of gag gifts on that one. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure my mother-in-law would be real proud. <laughs> so it, it all worked out. You guys are, are Everett, and, it, and it's working out pretty well for you. But I, I found it interesting because I didn't know this when we talked last time, but it wasn't a foregone conclusion when you all came to Nashville that you guys were going to be doing this duo thing, was it? <clears throat> Say it again. Foregone. What was the word? <laughs> it wasn't a. You guys weren't guaranteed to be a duo when you first came to Nashville from Kentucky, right? Have you been doing that word today, t- toilet paper? Is that where that word comes I've got an app. I got an app. <laughs> He's got a uh, thesaurus you know, beside him. Oh, that's a big word too. Yeah. yeah so uh, Brent and I, before we moved to Nashville, we were in a band. Well, I mean, I mean, scrolling back some uh, through the annals of history, I, I accidentally said annals, but sorry you made we a mistake were originally... getting us on a podcast this late at night jonathan <laughs> <laughs> well you know yeah. we have fun when we have a drink <laughs> that's right hell yeah so uh we were originally brent and anthony the uh the original duo uh and then we start we had a band called easy street and then um that band was doing well i guess you'd say regionally kind of in bowling green kentucky and louisville and Throughout Kentucky region, uh, a little bit of Indiana, a little this here and there. And we started playing a little bit in Nashville and getting a little bit of attention. And me and Brent started making trips back and forth uh, to write and take meetings with uh, folks in Nashville. And when we finally said, we're moving in 2011, we're moving to Nashville. We, you know, you get your apartment lined up and all the stuff. Uh, all we knew is we were moving. We didn't know what we were going to do because the band ended up dissolving. Um, because the rest of them had real jobs that they were taken very seriously and they're doing great. We're still friends with all those dudes. And, but me and Brent, you know, we were, we were heading to Nashville and we got here and we were just kind of like, well, what's next? You know, and we always, I think it was kind of like an understood we'd be doing something together. We just didn't know what it would be. Um, so as far as whether it would be a duo or a band or whatever, we didn't know. We were just, just going, going with it. Because you went solo, and then Brent, you were just kind of playing, or do, do I have that backwards? Backwards. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I, I was I'm doing a solo career. <laughs> yeah, I had a, you know, we we got to town, and we were just walking through doors that were opening up, and I ended up signing a publishing deal in 2012, um, still with that uh, company today, and um, they wanted to uh, cut some songs on me as a solo artist, and I did that for a while and toured and Anthony played guitar in the band with me and was more the band leader I guess you'd say at the time and then uh, he had a lot of stuff going on as well and uh, a few years back I guess it's 
what, five years now or something like that, four or five years ago, we decided to, uh, to just wipe all that clean and start start like we did back in college, just me and him. Uh, that's how we started, just us two, acoustic guitars, um, playing in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so we, we went back to that and haven't stopped and probably never will. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, huh? five years. That's weird to think about. I didn't think about that. It was uh, 2017, I think, uh, in the spring or something, we had our first conversation. And by the by the fall, we were really like, you know, full full speed ahead riding for the butthole truckers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's wild is that we've been playing music together for 16 years, but Everett's still a new band, you know, like to, to the public. Um, yeah. Just five years old. Well, I was going to say, I mean, the duo seems to be working out. You guys still seem to be getting along. I mean, what, was there ever a thought where, you know, it wouldn't be exactly maybe a duo, but it could be the band or... Or kind of what pushed you guys to be like it's the two of us, and then let's see where it goes. That's a that's a great question. So here, uh, kind of a little bit inside to some Nashville politicking. Uh, when me and Brent, you know, we're having trouble with a band name and uh, all that kind of crap, everybody's going like, "Hey, by the way, there's an open lane in uh, in radio and the market for bands. There are not a lot of bands on the charts these days. So what if you all?" have a band we're like well it's just the two of us we're like well what if it's like you know you're everett we had a name you're everett but you know you kind of market yourself as the band and we kind of wrestle with that for a minute and we're just kind of like that just kind of feels a little i mean what it is fake and we you know it 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 was a great it would have been a great i guess business move and I, i think there have been other you know acts that do that kind of where like somebody has a bigger stake in what's going on but um, as far as like who's on the poster is the whole band. And I, but I think creatively, like the project, it, the beating heart of it is me and Brent. And, um, and it's, it's weird. You say do, you know, when we tell people we're a duo, it's like, we're not necessarily like a vocal duo cause we're not Dan and Shay. Um, or I guess we'd be, we'd be more like the brothers Osborne because they, they sound like they're in a damn band, but definitely creatively it is their, their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't think it was a bad business move because the business changes all the time. I feel like the, you know, we were just at the CMA Awards and there's not a, there's not a ton of duos either. I mean, there's a good bit, but there's just as many duos as as there, as as there are bands out there. So I think the business is constantly changing. So like Anthony said, I'm glad we went with the, the real deal instead of fabricating anything. Because that's just not who we are. Yeah, you know, you want to do, you want to do what's right. You want to weigh your options, and you want to play the game, you know, or kind of, or, but you also want to like, what, what is that? I'm, I'm thinking, uh, you want to look back and say, I did it my way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, you have to live with yourself. You don't necessarily want to play the game. You, you just want to, you want to feed your family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, boom, yeah. Well, and and like I said, it's working out well, and. I read somewhere too where it, well, and if you're watching this and not listening, you can kind of see they might look a little bit different. You know, one's got a, a nice big bushy beard, <laughs> one's got a, a little a little more clean, cleaner cut beard. I mean, maybe it's working there. Yeah, it's working you can't there. call that a beard, man. I, I appreciate the appreciate you saying that, but I've been growing this for 16 years, I, man, and it's all it's all I got. 
<laughs> but I, I heard that, you know, you guys are like the yin and yang. You couldn't be more opposite, but it just works as a friendship and as a music and everything. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. I think, that, you know, opposites attract. Uh, but at the same time, there's there's got to be some kind of chemistry. Um, there has to be a, a, a void to be filled. And I think that was part of our friendship is like, you know, my strengths and interests and Brent's strengths and interests and passion or, well, yeah, we're different, but I think we both shared a common passion. That's the word I think that brought us together. We love music. We love what we feel like music can do for a community, for people, for humanity and for ourselves. And I think that's what we shared. But as far as our approach, it was a little bit different. And over the years, you know, we've learned, we, we have a lot of respect for each other. We've, we have, uh, conquered mountains, weathered storms, you know, um, celebrated a lot, mourned a lot. Uh, how else can I repeat myself here? <laughs> but like, uh, I think like we realize that we're better together because we both bring, I think we make a more complete picture, a complete, more complete vision. I can't imagine being a solo artist. Like that's gotta be so difficult. So anybody that's making it, even the people that I'm like, I'm not a fan of their music. I'm still just kind of like, Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Can I say fuck? Yeah. I mean, we're drinking. <laughs> okay, yeah. I want to say like, fuck. yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> but, but yeah, ab- absolutely. And you know, how did you all meet? Because I, I feel like that's an interesting story. Cause you guys grew up in the same County, I believe. And then and not like down the street, but it took a random lesson for you guys to kind of meet, meet up or, and, and then, you know, like I said, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A good friend of mine, Jason Reynolds, um, back then there was this church in our County that was kind of a bigger church and they were a big business really. And they had a gym at that church that you could go to for free. So me and my buddy Jason were trying to get all buff and we were going to this gym and he was like, man, you gotta go. I met this guy, Anthony. He's an incredible guitar player. I was in a different band at the time. Uh, as the guitarist of that band, and uh, and so I went and met Anthony, and I and he was playing. I was like, man, I'd like to take some lessons because I was playing a particular style at the time. I was looking to expand my skills, and Anthony's burning it hot over there on that guitar. The string, the thing is, I was, I was, I was born. when I walked in there, man. <laughs> I was I was born buff. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, I, I was trying to. I was trying to lose some muscle mass. That's why I, I, I was sitting down playing guitar because I, I just I was too low. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, that that is a true story. Except I didn't get a lesson from Anthony. We ended up uh, just becoming good buddies, and we started writing songs immediately. And just that mutual respect Anthony was talking about earlier, I feel like was, I feel like we were at the point of our lives where we we're still in a in the hometown and looking for what was next and we both gave each other an excuse to to go for it you know what i mean and um we're still doing that to this day you know because there's there's been plenty of times we uh people smarter than us might have called it a day but when you got each other and you're supporting each other like it's just not gonna happen with us when you stay the course long enough and good things can happen too and you, know, you mentioned growing up in, in Kentucky. I mean, how much of an impact did that have on y'all as just people and the music and just everything in general? You know, I, uh, 
this is always kind of a difficult uh, question for me to answer. I, I grew up um, with a – my stepdad was in the military, so we were moving around a lot. Um, I have a lot of ties to Kentucky through my mom's family and my dad's family. Um, but, man, we moved around a lot. And I guess we came back middle uh, right before middle school, so more, more the formative years. But even then, it was kind of like – I don't know. I was always itching for something more, but I feel like as I've gotten older and I've kind of looked back on like, what is it that makes me who I am, you know, my family, my roots. And I realize how much of it really comes from, you know, the ancestry, like my, my nanny, my grandma, uh, Anna Ruth Russ, uh, God bless her. Uh, she grew up, on Holesclaw Hill, dirt floors, and she ended up being like the valedictorian of her high school and ended up going on to raise eight kids, eight, you know, wonderful people that made me who I am. Lots of musical people in my family, like they were in a band and uh, stuff I didn't know about until I was older, really. And they were always so supportive of anything I wanted to do. When I started playing guitar, they were just like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Any, honest, honestly, I could have been like farting in a microphone and been like, oh my God, you're so great. <laughs> just the kindness. And I feel like that's, you know, sometimes people in other areas of the country or the world, it, it kind of gets looked down a lot, down upon the uh, Southern hospitality or like the, a little bit of the be kind because you should. But I also, I think there's something to that, that like, it really shaped me. Like I, I want to, I want to be kind because I, I feel like it's a lot I feel when people are being kind to me, I feel a lot warmer inside. Like when I'm like, I look like a glass of whiskey can warm me up. You know what I mean? Like that feels way better to me when somebody just can bend over backwards, even on an elevator or whatever it is, just to kind of like, how are you doing? Oh man, I like those shoes. And it like, it stuck with me. Like, cause I, you know, growing up around those family members and those friends from Kentucky, Brent is one of those people is just constantly like looking around. It's going like, how can I brighten somebody's day? You know? And I think that affected me more than anything. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky was a huge part for me. I, I'm born and raised and uh, was there most of my life, you know. And um, I grew up a lot. My dad plays and sings a lot. He played in church, but a lot of my family does as well. And it's kind of old-timey, man. I just remember being real young and in the living room and people would have guitars out and singing harmony and singing songs, singing old gospel songs and stuff like that. And uh, it just rubbed off on me. I, I was always the shy, shy guy in the corner, scared because everybody was so good around me. I didn't want to step up, and but I always, I always had the uh, the drive and the the passion for music to 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 go for it. But so many things about I have I have I'm I can be writing a song sometimes, and I'll rem I'll remember certain high school buddies who are like real country like if it ain't country then the hell with it you know like and i i can i can hear them sometimes going like that ain't good that ain't country that ain't that ain't rock that ain't this adam <laughs> travis is one of those guys sweetheart of a guy but he you know he he's it's george jones and merle haggard or nothing for him and a lot of people from kentucky are like that i mean they're really they know a lot of people know good music there and there's a lot of great talent that's come out of that state too I mean, I was gonna say. I mean, did you grow up on the Merle Haggards of the world, or was it gospel with the with the church, or or was it even rock? Or, 
or, or Southern rock when, when you guys were growing up that kind of influenced yeah. your, your musical taste? I, I, when I was a kid, go ahead. Go ahead <laughs> See how nice we are? <laughs> well, I'll make it quick. I'll make it quick. I was going to say that Southern hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I'll make mine quick. Uh, I grew up on a lot of, uh, I grew up, early, my early days were definitely church music and gospel music because my dad, he, he led the worship at church, so I got to hear him going over songs and stuff, the old hymns and things like that. Um, but I, I I definitely grew up with the George Jones, the Haggards, the Buck Owens, um, all that stuff as well. I went through a huge phase of that, and then also the, the old rockers, the Beatles, the Stones, um, Led Zeppelin, all that kind of stuff as well, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Um, I just, I, I still to this day go through phases, and I was like that when I was younger too. I just, one minute I'm, I'm just stuck on Don Williams, and the next minute I'm, I'm listening to, you know, Tom Waits or something like crazy. It's just all over the map, and it, and they all have an influence on, on me musically, no doubt. I think for me, uh, one of my earliest memories. Uh, my mom, for several years, was a a single mother, and she had me and my older brother. And we drop off Philip at school. He was, you know, a year and a half older, and um, we ride around for a minute. I'd, she'd always play Randy Travis, and uh, man, that voice and those songs—they're just like—I mean, it was so much heartbreak. I mean, there is heartbreak in those songs, like the, some of the best ones. But like, I didn't. All I heard when I was a kid was like that voice and those instruments. And I, I just remember like hearing that in, in a, that old Oldsmobile or whatever we were in, and just being like, "What is that? That is so amazing." And then as I got older, I remember um, one of the first CDs we had uh, was Patsy Cline, and I would put it on our old like Sony boombox that was, you know maybe about as broad as my shoulders and um i would wash dishes and sing along to that and that was one of the first times i remember going like oh i i kind of like singing and i love like <laughs> those melodies i mean patsy klein it was just some of the best it is some of the best music that's ever been made um we can't forget about bluegrass music too man the bluegrass mm -hmm. as i got older though i i think like you know, we were, I guess, '90s kids, born in the '80s, but probably coming more aware in the in the '90s and all that um, preteen and teen angst. It was such a beautiful time for that because it was all just like you couldn't have a bigger middle finger inside of you, even if you didn't. You, you don't know what you're mad at. You're just like mad, and it, the you know, Kurt. Cole, I mean, Nirvana, Corn, um, Stone. Pilots, corn, Alice in Chains, like all this beautiful, sludgy, gritty music, bluesy stuff. And I've, I've been uh, bringing Alice in Chains back out here recently. Like, it's such beautiful stuff. Like, that really, I, I guess, like, I've I've moved around from this to that. And I, I love any kind of music that just feels honest, I think, moves me. I have a hard time listening to stuff that feels more... Um, manufactured i guess i can respect it because it's it, for its success and it the craft of it but stuff that feels like it's coming from a place of, you know, it's a real place i have something to say and you're gonna listen to it damn it you know like that's the stuff that i'm that's what i gravitate towards and that's what i want to write 
Well, and the storytelling always shines through. I think on uh, on any genre. I mean, anyone can relate relate to it and 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 can can feel feel that. And you know, we're talking about influences and things like that, and folks that have had an impact on it. I'm guessing for you two, um, two two big impacts are, are your wives. <laughs> man, yeah, man. I <laughs> it's uh, you really get that perspective when you've been on the road a while. <laughs> And you, uh, you know, it's it's difficult to be away from your family and then get home. And you know, our wives work just as hard, if not harder, than we do. And I don't know. I was just playing my wife a song I wrote today. She's like the first. She's my first audience usually on these songs, and so I probably wear her out. But um, just having a partner in crime, just not in this, just this career, but in life. Period. That as your back is it's it's priceless man when i met my wife katie uh i was you know she met me at a bar i was playing songs it was just me and my guitar and a microphone and i was singing and, and so like from the get-go she knew i was a musician and and i always was doing whatever side jobs to to uh make ends meet on my own and we got married i, you know, I was doing landscaping and I love landscaping. I love being outside, getting dirty and sweaty and, you know, gross. And like, uh, anyways, uh, I remember I had a, I had a meeting with somebody at ASCAP who's a, it's, um, kind of an important part of the puzzle when you're getting into the music industry, probably one of the first pieces of the puzzle, uh, for a songwriter or an artist or both, whatever. But anyways, I remember Leanne Phelan told me, she's like, you, would really benefit from for some uh, from some focus. Like I know you're having to do this and do that. What if you take a loan out or do whatever you need to do to take a year and just focus on it? And I, w- I was getting really into production, recording stuff, being a producer and as well as a writer. And she's like, just really hone in on that. Like I feel like you have the talent. You just need to invest in yourself. And I was and I'm like, I left that meeting going like, yeah. And I got home to talk to my wife about. It. I was like, oh, we were broke as balls. <laughs> like, you know, we had. I mean, we're not necessarily rich now at all. I mean, we're okay, but like then we were definitely, it was shoestring budget. And I told her, I was like, I don't know how to say this and not sound silly, but like, I think I need to figure out a way to not do landscaping. I need to be doing this full time. And it's not, I don't, I'm not going to be getting paid, you know, because a lot of it, you, you're writing songs with people without a publishing deal, without any kind of income. You're just hoping that somebody can pick it up and go like, all right, I believe in you. Anyways, uh, my wife didn't even hesitate. She's like, I'm in. You know, and, and we made it work. We cut back and, you know, <laughs> rice and beans in the morning, rice and beans at night. And uh, almost a year later, I signed my first publishing deal. I guess that was like in 2016. Um, I wouldn't have been able to do that by myself. And I wouldn't have been, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that without her support. Like if I had a different partner, that would have been a little more like, I don't know about that. Like we're just going to have to make it work some other way. But she was like, no, this is you. I love you. You be you the best way or whatever it means, you know. And, and man, she still continues to be that way. Like, she's the best the best thing in my life. And my kids, too. I mean, they're pretty pretty great, too. <laughs> <laughs> they're Brent all right. <laughs> well, now you can, you know, you can play this back to her anytime she's mad at you for anything you've ever said wrong. <laughs> no, 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 I'm trying to keep it secret. I want her to hate me. At some point, so. 
Oh, I doubt she could ever do that. Now, as I mentioned at the at the start of the show, you know, the start of the the convo, um, you guys have a new album out that you dropped back, in, I think, last month. Side B, Dairy Queen, uh, Kings of the Dairy Queen parking lot. So, uh, what's uh, what's going on with that? Oh boy, yeah, it's it's wild to think that was a month ago. That was October what set ninth or something. October seventh. God, it's been a month. It was my man. birthday. So much seven. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, yeah. turned twenty one again. Uh, but yeah, uh, man, that's wild. It's been quite a month. We've been all over the place. We've been on tour and all that kind of stuff. But anyways, so this is the second half of the record that we recorded at the beginning of 2020, right before the world lost its shit. And um, we released Side A October 2nd of 2020 because we knew we were going to need to have an extra moment in the spotlight to really give it what it deserves. And man, I think that was a good call. Whether we waited too long to release the rest of it, I don't would have, could have, should have, who knows. But I, I love the attention and the all-hands-on-deck kind of feeling we've had um, getting this out. I'm And I know I can speak for Brent, too, I feel like. like. We are so proud of the songs. I mean, all of them, but definitely Side B, I feel like there's a, it's a well, little I feel more like brave, maybe. Side B just Some paints things. the rest of the picture is what it does for me. I mean, I feel like we, you know, Side A was kind of... Um, the outline a little bit with a little bit of color here and there. And then side B is just filling in the rest of the painting, you know, um, there's yeah, there, the, what I love about side B is the diversity of it. And I've said this before in other interviews, but one of my favorite records is wildflowers by Tom Petty. And, uh, because it's so diverse, I mean, there's folk songs on there. There's super rock songs on there. There's ballads, there's, uh, groovy songs, all the above, and I feel like that's what side B is. I mean, we'll go from a stupid song like Shunk is Drip, where all the words are backwards in the chorus, <laughs> into, into Have you heard that one, Jonathan? I was that was going to be one of my questions because I was like, How the hell can you sing that on a record? Because I'm trying to think in my head, like, I would screw that up. Well, I'd screw up a lot of things so bad with music. If you had me singing, but I mean, that's, that's some talent well, to say man, those I'll words say like this. that. I, you're, you're not the first to, to say that. And I always say the same thing and I really mean it. If I can sing that, anybody can sing it. For some reason, it's easier than singing regular words sometimes because it's so ludicrous. It sticks in your brain in a weird way. Like, I don't know. It's a, it's, it, when we wrote that song, I remember, <laughs> leaving that session and I couldn't stop doing it. Everything was backwards. I was saying everything backwards in my head. It, it was wild, man. But anyway. I mean, how does a song like that come together though? Like, are you just sitting there well, just saying stupid words and something sticks? I mean, more or less. So we, we were writing with our good buddy, Aaron Ratier, who is quite the wordsmith and he's got a great record out. Uh, is it single wide yeah. dreamer? He's a character. Right? And he's is that the awesome. new record? He's got three cuts on side B for with us. Well, Wild woman, yeah. junk is drip, and woohoo hoo. That's right. Well, we were in the room uh, over at RCA with his his writing room and uh, tossing around titles as you might do when you're starting a writing session. And he had this one <laughs> uh, ton sand lotion and like. It's just, he's always so good about a title he'll throw out and you just go like, 
light bulb. You're like, oh, I know exactly what, what the attitude of it. And got to talking about it, and I realized, oh, yeah, yeah, we're shunk as drit. And then we you know, found a way to put a bow on it, getting backwards, upside down, and shunk then as drit. People firing. And then from there. Forwards, backwards, just on and on and on, and laughing hysterically. I left there going, nobody is going to ever hear that song. And it's going to be looked at like, like I just, at first I was like, that's the dumbest thing we've ever done. And then I listened to it a few days later. I was like, I freaking love this, man. I think this actually could be something. And now it's on our record. Dude, I'll say, I'll say this too. Like uh, when we started playing that song out and Aaron was playing it in his sets, like in, in town in Nashville, like he would play it at his acoustic sets and we play it at our, sh- our shows. And, uh, people were, it was like the song that people kept coming back. Like, how did you write that? Like, Oh, you're the, you're the guys that wrote Shunk is Drit or whatever, you know, like there was a minute there. It was, people were just so impressed with it. I guess they got over it or maybe we need to stoke <laughs> that flame. But like, I was really proud of that one because like it was, I mean, honestly, I wish I could say it was difficult. We were just having such a good time. We may or may not have been smoking that or moking that marijuana, uh, <laughs> getting by as halls, but it was it was pretty much just automatic. We just which somebody would say something, we laugh, write it down. Somebody would say something, we laugh, write it down. The hardest part was doing that first work tape where you pull out your phone, put it on voice memo, and record the final version, just playing acoustics and singing. I think that must have taken oh, yeah. about seventeen. Yeah, the times first time singing we it is, was extremely <laughs> difficult, but once it gets in your head, it's surprisingly pretty easy. <laughs> Uh, I, like like I said, I, I love that song. My, my daughter's favorite song is, of course, "Woohoo, Who." She she that she just loves that, loves loves the tune to that, and she'll just be like, "Can you play that, oh, that new one, Dad? Awesome. Can you play that new one?" And I'm like, "All right," and click that's it. That's one of my favorites. Yeah, that, so you got a little awesome, fan, man. That's one of my favorites to play live. It's one of those that the crowd can't seem to resist hollering out "Woohoo, Who" every time by the end of the song. Oh, dude, speaking of that, we'll get done, like, you know, at the end of the show, everybody's, you know, we'll be out at the merch table to shake hands and kiss babies or whatever, you know, sell merch. Um, and we'll, people will be walking by and not even looking. It's like, like, it's stuck in their head and you're just like, yes, we did it, you know. Which, which is the ultimate goal. And I also love, too, I think it was um, going to be a problem uh, that you actually ended up getting from Jordan Davis had it. Set, set aside and then he was going to cut it then he heard you guys singing it and was like wait a minute and did it really happen over tequila and some drinks that that song yeah. got passed to y'all yeah well so we we wrote it so if i'm talking too much brand i'm sorry it's uh i blame it <laughs> yeah. on voodoo ranger but uh <laughs> this, this beautiful ass ipa i have but uh yeah we wrote it and we got pitched and next thing you know jordan davis puts it on hold to record for himself and we waited and waited and waited and we got impatient and we loved the song so we decided to record it for ourselves and i feel like we had a man it was when right before it was almost done it was kind of like a in demo land demo version almost there and uh, we started playing on the road jordan asked us to come open up some shows for him in idaho and uh the second night i guess he caught some of our set and heard us playing that song the second night we're in the green room he's like are you guys playing gonna be a problem out there on your set and we're like yeah and we told him that we we kind of cut it, and he wanted to hear it. So we're like, you know, yeah. having some, what was it, Casamigos? Uh, 
Anyways, you take over. Bro. That was it. <laughs> that that's pretty much it. We we were we were having some tequila and and Jordan was like, and we've known Jordan for a long time. We all kind of got to town around the same time, so we've been friends with him for years and years. And uh, we were hanging out, and he was like, "Man, you guys, this is an Everett song. You guys got to cut it." And I was like, "Well, we did. I mean, <laughs> it's right here." He was like, well, I just want to be on the, I want to be on the song somehow, some way. We're like, all right. So he's singing backgrounds on the, the actual cut. You can hear him barely in there, but we got him. We, we, he came in and, and sang on and it was great, man. I, I still think he could record that song at some point. I think he could do a great job on it as well. Um, I feel like it's one of those hits that people talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and uh, you guys did a little acting too on um, "Make Me Want One." How how was that? I mean, did you have a little bit of fun with that? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I I secretly um, have always wanted to try out acting, even though I think I'm not very good at all. But it just it seems like a fun challenge. <laughs> I'm always waiting for a. Just have a couple of um, uh, Voodoo Rangers oh, like I Anthony, and you'll it, be golden. I guarantee it. <laughs> no, I I. Uh, so when we got we, we we were coming up with the concept of the video, it was kind of vague going into it. But the guy who shot it is incredible. He does such a great job, and he kind of spelled it out for us. And it was super fun, man. Guys, I, I was smoking a cigarette in the video, and it's a fake cigarette. I mean, it's a real it's real smoke and everything, but it's a like a herbal cigarette or something that they use in movies. And so, and I used to, me and Anthony used to dabble with, with, with the cigs back in the day, and I hadn't, I hadn't smoked in years and years. <laughs> so it kind of brought back memories, just lighting it up with the Zippo and everything. But I, in the, in the thing, I had to pretend like I was being cool, but the, but the smoke was actually choking me. So there was some acting involved for sure. But I remember doing it and hearing the entire room like crack up. So I guess I was like, I guess I did a, an all right job at pretending like. <laughs> it was so great. You could totally be an actor. I I could totally. You have that. You have that. Uh, what does people say? The X factor. I think I have a. I was gonna say the D factor, but that makes me sound like I would do, I would do porn or something. I'm Brent. This is my good buddy, the D factor. He sounds like a wrestler. <laughs> that goes back to the uh, trackers, right? Yeah. Cheers. Oh. Now, now, now you you also had a, a really cool moment earlier this year, uh, being on the the Grand Ole Opry stage and making your debut there. Man, that really was incredible. So we were actually supposed to do that in November of uh, last year, about a year ago, I guess, and um, the. Monday before uh, we were we were going, we had a meeting, and I, I had a little cough. I was writing that day. I had a little cough, and I was like, oh, what is this sore throat? Uh, and I was like, surely it's not COVID, but before going to this meeting, I wanted to you know, do a little test, and sure enough, I had COVID. So we had to cancel that uh, debut, and it just, I just felt so deflated, like, oh, it's never going to happen now. But luckily, it did happen in January, and man, it was glorious. Uh I remember Brent, uh, when we got there, of course there's like a damn video crew to capture it, which was cool, 
But uh, anyways, I mean, we're out getting out there on stage before anybody's there. It's just us and the video crew. And they say, hey, if you guys want to take a minute before you get in the circle, you know, you just want to take your time and we'll get it on camera that you step in the circle. And I love Brent uh, said, uh, he was like, I think we've waited long enough. You ready to do this? <laughs> was so cool. Man, it was a magical night. That debut is like nothing, nothing else, man. It's like. I can't even quite put it into words. If I had to pick a word, it would be heavy because it was just the weight of the evening and mm. you have all your family and friends there who, and, and even fans as well that have had your back way before you were able to step in that circle that were all there cheering you on, supporting you. And I don't know, the at that moments like that, the the name Everett, means so much more than just me and Anthony like because you you, you got get those people that have had your back and I, I think that really magnified that that night along with just the tradition of the place and the, the history and all the incredible artists that have played before us um, and we got to we've played it eight times this year which is unbelievable and now it kind of feels like home a little bit it's just it's so sweet there the the vibe is like exactly what you would think it would be backstage the people were so kind and the band the opry band like i just i every time we're, we go there i'm just so glad to see all those people it's it's a dream come true yeah it's a dream it's come like true mm -hmm. well and, the, and the, i think you might have had another uh maybe a dream or uh, uh, something on the on the bucket list the the Man of Constant Sorrow video and, and everything. How did that come together, and what was it like to see that just blow up? Dude, that was a <clears throat> the thing that almost didn't happen. Um, so we, we, you know, we used to write a little bit with Dan Tominski, who is, I guess, the original voice of Everett in that song. Um, man, he's such a great player and singer and human. Uh, so we were writing some, and... Uh, one day I, I I had to be the annoying guy like hey can we make a video playing Man of Constant Sorrow with you because it's, it's where our band name comes from and of course he's like he's so badass he's like oh of course I love that I love that let's do it he's so cool about all that kind of stuff and made a video threw it out there and uh, anyways when we realized that TikTok was a thing we decided to throw that video on on the talk and uh, it went crazy like three hundred thousand views or something crazy and uh. Which to us, I felt like, you know, we were basically Dolly Parton, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, like, our label saw that and went like, man, you, you all should think about recording your own version of that song. And um, me and Brent, because we're, uh, I guess, OG, like, you know, grunge, punk, whatever kids, we were kind of like, oh, that's stupid. We're never going to do that. And we kind of got <laughs> to talking about it like, actually, that sounds pretty cool. It's, you know. And so we, we just kind of made it our own. Just, you know, let's just do, let's do it our own way. We did it just us. We had our buddy, our old drummer, Trent Armstrong, played drums. And uh, totally just, it, it really is one of those things like you go like, eh, it may work out, it may not, you know. And I think because we weren't trying too hard, it actually, I love the way that turned out so much. Like, it's so special to me. Um, we, had to, we had to do it. And, I mean, our name's Everett. You know what so, I mean? And what a song. I mean, come on, that song was an old folk song in like the early 1900s, late 1800s or something. And still, if you, and, and of course, they made it 
probably a more uh, punchy version for the Old Brother Rockdale movie. But you can turn on that track right now. I don't care what kind of music you're into, you're going to dig it. It's so great, man. It's a, The song is so awesome. Oh, yeah. I think it's because it's an upbeat song with sad lyrics. <laughs> very, very sad lyrics. This poor guy. <laughs> yeah, the poor guy in the bluegrass. song, That's man. Bluegrass for, for him, but And then we made that video, which was so much fun. We kind of did that our way as well. And we had the same yeah. guy who didn't make me want one shoot that. He's... He's a genius, man. He's so great. Um, but I, I love how that video turned out, too, man. We had, speaking of drinks, we had some drinks that day. It was freezing cold, and we were having some bourbon out there to stay warm and, and just had a big old time shooting that. That may be one of the first times <laughs> I had bourbon at 1030 in the morning. <laughs> Probably the last time. But, uh, I, Brent, I don't think I've told you this, but that song uh, – has been still is on my my four-year-olds uh the car songs playlist like you get in the car and you're going somewhere and he, and little freddie's like turn on the car songs he needs his music to get mm-hmm. jazzed and you know not lose his crap but like uh yeah that one comes on you know and now i see my little one-year-old starting to you know when you know when like little babies dance they just kind of like blank stare but kind of rock back and forth like they're really feeling it but they're like hey fuck you i'm in the zone you know what i mean like it's pretty cool to see that no, I, t- I totally know what you mean. That's a, a, I've got got those playlists on my, on my phone for for my daughter. That's where Woo Hoo stands. Uh, <laughs> awesome, uh, uh, for her. So I, I totally get <laughs> it. it. And, and we're working on and we're working on on some other ones too. Because I'm trying to get her away from the, uh, you know, I don't mind the Disney musical songs, but some of those first songs they listen to, I'm like, all right, we've heard that for way too long. Let's get to some real music, and she's getting That's there, which awesome, I'm very man. proud of. <laughs> Right on. Now, now, as we wrap up, weareever.com to f- follow these guys on social media as as well. You can find them on, on all those, including the talk, the, the TikTok. And, you know, obviously 2022 is wrapping up, you know, and you guys have been out on tour with Cadillac 3. <clears throat> been some some pretty cool things this year. What, what are you hoping for in, in 2023 and what can folks expect from you? Well, my hope is to play as many shows as we can. Um, I feel like we lost a little time during the pandemic, and I feel like our live show um, is where we feel most connected, and I feel like our audience feels most connected to us. Um, I feel like we're just that kind of band. But, I mean, maybe every band's that kind of band, but I only know from our perspective. Um, and I, we're definitely, we got new music, like, in our pockets ready to record so we're we're we got the songs we're ready to go so i I, i'm looking forward to get back getting back in the studio as well and and making some more music um i feel like there's so much more that we have to offer and are ready to give and uh i think 2023 hopefully we're able to spread as much as we can out there Anything else on that? Amen. (laughs) Yeah, you know, (laughs) it's been a beautiful, it's been, it's been a really great year. Um, A lot of amazing things. We played Nissan uh, Stadium this year in Nashville. That was pretty amazing. Um, Toured with the Brothers Osborne this year. It was an amazing year. Um, 
and I, I guess like, you know, you're always wondering, uh, what's next. And I feel like what's next is just <laughs> kicking more ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's all, that's what we're in the business of doing. And, uh, I think we have the ammunition to do that. Like we have so many songs, we have so much passion for what we feel like our mission is like to, uh, like an old tent revival, just come in and go like, Hey, it's a big old beautiful world. Let's love each other and, and go nuts. You know what I mean? Um, I feel really good about next year. I feel good about just all the years that we have. It's all, it's all a gift. You know, every day you have is a gift and we'll wake up tomorrow and we'll take a deep breath and go like, here we go. Here we go again. You know? Well, like you said, 2022 was awesome. If you haven't checked out the record, I, I highly recommend it. Got some great songs on there. Even, even side A's got great songs, slow roll back the EP, a little further back, got to check them out. And Anthony, Brent, this was a blast. And, and thanks for Man, sharing a drink. Cheers, with me. Jonathan. Thank you, buddy. Yes, sir.